Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. Over the past two installments, I've shared about what it means to be rightly positioned. And if you have not had a chance to uh, check the other uh, two um, uh, installments of the series, I would encourage you to do that. You can go on our YouTube channel and check that out. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time to uh, go over everything that has been said. But positioning essentially means to take a stand or once stand or to station yourself, to occupy or to be situated. Being rightly positioned puts us in in the proper condition to fulfill the calling of God on our lives. All of us have a calling. I mean, it all starts by coming to church and worshiping the Lord. When we are here, when we're worshiping God together, by the way, I I just want to say, what a beautiful time of worship today, right? And I know that we all come from different walks of life, different church backgrounds, but I will tell you this. I was thinking about this as we were worshiping, and, uh, you know, sometimes it can be um, a little difficult if you come from a more traditional background in terms of worship. I will tell you this. Heaven is the greatest place where unity will come together. That means that there will be people from all different sectional parts of the church that we section off, right? In God's eyes, we're all his children. So we're one day we're going to be worshiping together. And, you know, some people will say, thank you, Lord, in whatever language that they say it in, and you'll say it in the language that you say it in, and you'll fully understand everything that's happening. So we are all called into this beautiful body of Christ. We're all called to serve him. We're called to fulfill the purpose and a design that God has for each and every one of us. And that will impact every area of our lives. It will start, first and foremost, I believe, with our relationship with God, but it also extends, when we're rightly positioned before God, that extends to every facet and every area of our lives. That goes into our families. It it impacts our work, our jobs, our, our lives in general. So we took our text from 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verses 1 and then 14 to 18. So let's just read that together again. We're going to show that on the screen. We can read it together. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Maonites came to wage war against King Jehoshaphat, one of my favorite kings in the Bible. And then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehiazel son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah. I want you all, your assignment will be to memorize all those names for next Sunday. A Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly, and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I, you know, every time I read these verses, I'm encouraged over and over and over again. You know why? 
because we all fight battles. We all face circumstances. And sometimes and often when the, the, the battle is hard and, and, the, and the war is waging around you, we get discouraged. And we are afraid, like Madison said today, we need to, to utilize that word fear and use it for the right way, right? We, we basically, we fear God and not fear circumstances and fear things around us. And so do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged because of the vast army. For the battle is not yours. The battle that you fight is not yours. It is the Lord's. It is the Lord's. Then the spirit, oh, actually tomorrow, I read that before. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up at the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. What an encouragement that is, right? Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. That's important because the kingdom of the, the nation of Israel was split into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom comprised the land of Judah and Jerusalem where the temple was, and then the northern kingdom was anything above Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. One more verse. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship uh, before the Lord. Worship before the Lord. When we realize that the battle is ours, you know what? I, it, it's kind of in, in, incredible to see that they actually gave thanks to God even before the battle. They knew the victory. In other words, they believed the word of God and the words that were being spoken prophetically that day. Now, when we're right, rightly positioned before God, I mentioned to you last week that God elevates us to a place where we become a blessing, and we can, by being a blessing, impact people around us. We impact the lives of those that are around us. The example that we talked about of King Jehoshaphat is a great example because Jehoshaphat, number one, was well positioned because as you, and there's some references that, that I'm going to uh, mention here. You can take a picture if you want to read them for yourself later. But in 2 Chronicles 17, 3 to 6, it tells us that Jehoshaphat did a number of things that were right before the Lord. And because he honored God, God blessed him. But then further down in the same chapter in verses 10 to 13, it also says that God blessed and prospered Jehoshaphat. And I mean, God gave him so much that he didn't even know what to do with it all. He gave him great wealth. He gave him cities, fortified walls. He gave him soldiers. He gave them the blessings that belong to God over his life. Jehoshaphat is an example of dedication, of obedience, and commitment to God, which I believe made a difference not only difference not only in his life, but in the life of an entire nation. Being rightly positioned, friends, puts us in the proper condition to fulfill God's calling and purposes 
and it applies to every area of our lives. And so in the past couple of weeks, we talked about uh, an, a number of things that, uh, that impact our walk with the Lord as we're rightly positioned. So we talked about identity. Identity with the Lord, when we fully comprehend our position in God, that will impact the way we live, the way we bless others. And so when we're rightly positioned with the Lord in understanding who we are, we will fulfill our calling. We also talked about determination. And determination is an important factor that oftentimes when we feel like the battle is waging, we want to give up. Determination will keep us in the battle. We will not give up because we know that God is with us. Can you say yes to that? Right? Have you seen that in your life? That when you stuck to the battle, when you did not back down, but you went forward and you said, no way, devil, you're not going to get this one. That you stayed strong through the process and God gave you the victory. So determination is important. And we talked about prayer. Man, I don't know that there's anything more powerful than prayer. Prayer is the language of heaven. Prayer is the currency of heaven. I mentioned a, a couple of weeks ago. Because it is the way God speaks to us and the way we speak to God. That's our conversation. Our communication with him is done through the vehicle of prayer. And there's so many examples that we could give. And also relationships. And I challenged you uh, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about relationship is that it's not just the fact of, hey, you know what, sign up for a community group and be part. Let's do life together. But I challenge you to look at the relationships in your life. I challenge you to look at who is sitting at the table of your life. Who are you doing life with? Who is challenging you? Who is speaking into your life? And who are you speaking into? Because it's a two-way street, two-way communication. It is important for us to analyze the very people that are an influence in our lives. And if there are people that are not being a good influence in our lives, then we kind of like say, you know what? I need to move. It's not that I don't like them. It's not that we don't appreciate them. But I, I just need to go somewhere where I need to get in light. Because we need to grow in God. And only you and only I know the relationships that are bringing life to us. So today, I want to talk about two more, probably more than likely just one. And then I'll close it later on another time. I want to talk to you about gratitude. Gratitude. The story of this woman, Sarah, attracted me as I read this, this article that Sarah was a, um, a young woman living in a large city that was having a hard time finding her place in the world. And Sarah changed jobs constantly. She was not happy where she was. And so she would try something and then did not work out made her unhappy, and so she moved on to a different job and then to another job and then to another job, and she just could not find satisfaction in her place in the world. So one day, she stumbled upon this community 
neighborhood garden, right in her neighborhood. She saw people that were taking care of planting seeds and, and taking care of flowers and planting vegetables. And so she thought, hey, what have I got to lose? Well, you know, Sarah quickly discovered that she had a passion for nurturing plants. She learned all about the different types of soil, all about how to take care of flowers, when to water them, how to take care of plants and vegetables, because there's different vegetables require a different type of watering system, and so on and so forth. Over time, Sarah became a key member of the garden community. And so one day, the local school in the neighborhood where she lived uh, contacted the uh, community garden uh, focal point guy and said, hey, you know what? We have a project that we're going to do with our children. And we want our children to learn all about gardening and sustainability and so on and so forth. And, and so it, the, that idea was pitched to the neighborhood community gardening team, if you can, if you will. And so Sarah said, oh, I'd love to do that. She put her hand up and she says, let me, let me do it. And so Sarah started teaching the children. And she started teaching them all about gardening. And that brought her so much joy. She was just like, wow. Finally, she was finding her place in the world. And she loved this so much that she loved to see those children's faces light up with joy when they would see flowers just come up and, and vegetables and plants be taken care of. Sarah continued to do her day-to-day -day job but she realized that her passion was really in gardening and in teaching children. And so over time, her reputation started to spread not only as someone that had passion, but also an expert. And, her, and, and she actually grew as an educator to teach others about gardening and the importance of gardening. During her teaching, one of the things that became very common was that she expressed incredible gratitude for having found that gardening community in her neighborhood. In fact, her being rightly positioned, Sarah's rightly positioned and very grateful was what allowed her to find her place in the world. The very quest that she was looking all along was right there in front of her eyes, and she became very grateful for that. Gratitude. Gratitude is key, it's important. What is gratitude? It's defined as a state of being grateful. It's thankfulness. It's a warm feeling in response to favor received. Gratitude biblically positions us before God and before others. Gratitude is making what we have be enough. I'm going to say that again. I want you to think about it. Gratitude is taking what you have and, and, and what you already have in your hands and make it enough. Gratitude turns the little that you have into abundance. Gratitude is more than just saying thank you. Gratitude is a condition and an attitude of the heart, and one that I believe, and, and I want to share some statistics or, or information for you, that has been discovered 
recently to have incredible, great emotional and physical health benefits. In fact, gratitude was actually not started uh, studied until the 50s, if you did not know that. It's only in the 50s that there were studies done about the benefits of gratitudes. Gratitude. Some of the benefits that were discovered during the studies were better sleep, better immunity. I want you to think about this stuff, guys. Higher self-esteem, decreased stress, if you're stressed, try gratitude. Lower blood pressure. Come on, you don't need to take another pill. Well, I'm not going to tell you that. Less anxiety and depression. Stronger relationship. Higher levels of optimism. Isn't that amazing? When we are grateful, we can actually become more optimistic, which is good for us. Research also suggests that people who tend to be more grateful and also are also more likely to engage in other health-promoting behavior, like exercising or sticking to a healthier lifestyle. So there's a lot of answers that we're looking for in life that can be found straight in being grateful. Learn to be grateful right where you're at. Right where you're at. Now, Professor Robert Emmons, who's an expert in the power of gratitude and the studies that he has done, he says this. He says, gratitude can, can have transformative effect on people's lives because it helps them focus on the present and it plays a role in magnifying positive emotions. He also says that gratitude blocks toxic emotions such as envy, resentment, regrets, depressions, and can destroy our happiness. Being grateful, guys, is very powerful. Is very powerful. Now, of course, all of this was said way before the 50s. How many of you know that? It was in the Bible all along. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22, it says this, that a cheerful heart, now you say a cheerful heart, is that a grateful heart? Well, you know what? The cheerful, the word cheerful in the Hebrew is the word somach, somach. And that word literally means to be joyful, to be glad, to be delighted. When you're delighted in something, you are what? Thankful. You're grateful. And so a cheerful heart, a delighted heart is good medicine. That's good medicine. But a broken spirit saps the person's strength. You're probably thinking, as I am, of the times in my life when I have been through situations and circumstances that literally sapped the energy out of my life. I felt like I was a shell of a man. 
I can think back and I can say with true honesty that I wasn't being grateful. And I think all of us need to take inventory. And we're going to look at a little bit more biblically the benefits and what the Bible says of a gratitude. But we do need to take an inventory of where we are at and learn to be grateful in every situation. Amen. So allow me to share what the Bible says a little bit more about gratitude. First of all, gratitude, first and foremost, glorifies God. It glorifies God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 15, it says, And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. The Apostle Paul in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, is talking about the power of the gospel. He's saying that people's eyes were blinded by the, the enemy that blinds their eyes. But you know what? He started saying that, you know, we are ambassadors and we are called to share the gospel. And as we share the gospel and more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. Because our heart that realizes that God is love, a heart that realizes that God loves them for who they are and where they're at, will begin. It, it is, you cannot help but being thankful and being grateful for God, for the position that he has placed you in, the position that he has placed me in. So thankful that he saved you, that he saved me. He gave us life. And because of that, God will be glorified. In fact, it says that God will receive more and more glory. Because when we learn to be thankful, we acknowledge who God is and we say, God, thank you. Oh, God, I'm so thankful. Oh, God, I'm so grateful. God, I'm so honored that you call me into your family. Can you say that with your heart? God, I'm so thankful and honored for where I am today, that I'm not lost, but I have found life in you. Being grateful and thankful for the power of the gospel. Gratitude glorifies God, but gratitude, the Bible says, is also the will of God. Gratitude is God's will. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, a verse that we know very, very well, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I want to make this clear because we make a mistake that oftentimes we think that we need to be thankful for the circumstances. That's not what the scripture is saying. It is saying be thankful in the midst of the circumstance. Not for that problem that you're facing. Not for that sickness that you're going through. Not for that financial difficulty that you're going through. But it says, be thankful in them, not for them. Not for the lacks, but in the lacks. Because in the situations, that is when our eyes can be opened to realize that God can answer you by faith in Jesus when you learn to be grateful. God, help us. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. It's not the circumstances that are God's will. It's that we 
learn gratitude. Gratitude is God's will for us in Christ Jesus in the midst of the circumstances. Can you say amen? Gratitude also brings peace. Gratitude brings peace. You say, well, I'm going through struggles and difficulties, and now all of a sudden I'm going to experience peace. Yes, let me prove that to you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious. I know that that's, you know, that, that, that's kind of hard language, right? When we go through circumstances and we face issues in our lives, it's not always easy to kind of like shove them in, in behind that closed door of ig ignorance or just not looking at anything. But he's just saying, do not be anxious about anything. How many things have we anxious over? How many times do we fret and worry about tomorrow when Jesus said, the Bible clearly tells us that tomorrow does not belong to us. So why do we worry? Why do we fret? Why do we fear? Don't be anxious. But in every situation, here's the answer. I love it that the Bible doesn't just eliminate the problem. It gives you the answer to put that on top of the problem. We replace the difficulty. We replace the lack of thanksgiving. We replace the anxious feelings. We replace the fear with something else. And he's saying, in every situation that you face, all those anythings that you're going through, that, that you have faced in your life, by prayer and petition. There we go again. It's the prayer, the power of prayer and petition. But it's adding something else. When you're praying, when you're petitioning God, do it with thanksgiving, with gratitude. With thanksgiving, re re presents your requests to God. And the peace of God. I'm not talking about sitting in a room and closing your eyes and putting some instrumental music and just going. That can only help you to a certain point. I want you to know that the peace of God, which transcends, which passes all understanding, it is greater than your reasoning, your explaining your circumstances. You may be sitting there and wondering, how am I going to face this issue? How am I going to get to the other side of my problems? How am I going to find the answers to my situations? How is my sickness going to be healed? I want you to know that God is saying today that when you go to him in prayer with thanksgiving in your heart, the peace of God will settle in your heart to such a depth that it will begin to take roots inside of you and it will guard your heart and it will guard your mind because these are the areas where the struggle really takes place. It's in the mind that we get attacked when we go through circumstances. 
It's in the mind that we hear all the lies of the devil that tells you that you're not good enough, that you'll never get better, that the circumstances that you're facing will never improve. But I'm here to tell you today that that is a lie of the devil, that God is going to take you to the other side as you begin to pray and worship and bring your mind in alignment with the Word of God. Because when the mind is impacted, the heart will be impacted also. A discouraged mind will transfer to a discouraged heart. And God knows that. And that's why he's saying, I'm going to guard your heart and I'm going to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm going to protect you. My peace will be your shield and your buckler. You will be protected because I'll be there for you and I will watch over you Peace, peace. We used to sing wonderful peace coming down from the Father from above. Sweep over my spirit. Some of you guys don't even know what I'm talking about. I maybe have ever heard that song. Sweep over my spirit. Thank you, Sue. Forever I pray. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. That's what God gives. But that's not all. Gratitude, the Bible says, also brings contentment. It brings happiness. Let me prove that to you. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. It says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. I want you to read that lie for yourself in your mind. Just take a moment. Just look at it and say, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and neither can we carry anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. Question is, are we content with these? Contentment, gratitude, with what we have. It is a trap of the enemy to get caught into a rat race of wanting more, needing more, getting more, when all you're doing and all I'm doing is spending on me and giving it to me. How big does my bank account need to get in order for me to be happy. Well, there's a story in the Bible of a man who built a bigger barn because he had accrued so much and God had blessed him greatly. But that very night, because he made no regards to what was happening in his life and acknowledging the goodness of God in his life. He just, he was just like, oh, this is me. I'm just, look at what I've done. Look at all the great things that I've accomplished in my life. His very life was demanded. The Bible and scriptures that we read are not just there for us to read and forget about them, but the importance of understanding the Word of God is so that we can not just memorize it and know it, 
here, but that it can funnel to the heart so that we can understand that the very things that God has blessed us with and the very things that sometimes we say, God, I need more, I need more, I need more. Godliness with contentment is the great gain. Whatever we have, be thankful to God. Because if the goal is to spend on pleasure alone, sometimes that can disappear as quickly as it came. How many of you guys know people that have won the lottery and they found themselves with all this money and before they realized it was all gone? They never blessed anybody. They never gave to their church. They never blessed the kingdom of God. And so I'm challenging us today, friends, to look at the blessings of God because the very things that bring contentment can become a curse if we don't steward them in the right way. Do you, you hear what I'm saying? God wants to bless you so greatly. But if we only spend on ourselves, we are missing the point that Happiness will come to us when we steward what he has given us with joy. Gratitude brings contentment when we do it God's way. Gratitude also is the key that opens a door to God's presence. And I, I so love this. When I, when I was studying gratitude and I started looking at the scripture and I saw this verse, that so deeply spoke to my heart. Look at this verse in Psalm 105 and verse 1. Enter his gates. Oh, sorry, 100 and verse 4. Enter his gates with, say it with me, thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter in, in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. It is so vital that when we get into God's presence, we open the door of gratitude and we go to God and we acknowledge that, man, this is so good. Our worship today was so good. We, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for life. God, thank you that you've given me breath so that I can honor you and worship you. God, thank you for these beautiful chairs that are nice and comfortable. God, thank you for this building. God, thank you for the people around me, next to me, behind me, in front of me. God, thank you. Thank you for a band that's leading us in worship. Thank you that we can read the words on screen. God, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for giving me a car to come to church. Thank you for giving me a, the very basic things. We have got to start with thanksgiving. Gratitude is the key that opens the door to the presence of God in your life. Because when we learn to be thankful, man, it just, wow. We see life through different lens. Everything around us is a blessing because of God's goodness and his grace. Gratitude also is a powerful testimony. That was Psalm 105 and verse one. Let me read that for you. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. 
proclaim his greatness. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. When we are grateful, we can proclaim what God has done, the greatness of God, the goodness of God, everything that he blesses us with, that becomes our testimony. You know, some of us sometimes wonder, like, well, I don't have a testimony. I haven't gone, you know, I've, I haven't been in prison. I have not uh, sold drugs to anybody. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't robbed a car. I didn't punch anybody in the face. Therefore, I must not be a good Christian. I don't have a great testimony. Can I tell you something? Acknowledge and realize the goodness of God, the presence of God, everything that he has given you, the, the very breath that we have with thankfulness and gratitude. That becomes a testimony. When we can talk to somebody that does not know Jesus and they're wondering if God is even real, the very act of saying, I just want you to know that I may not have all of the theology and all of the doctrinal explanations to answer all your questions, but I'm so grateful that God has given me life, and I love him for that. I love that he has taken my life and he has given me eternal life. I'm so, so thankful for that. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I love him. And I sense his love, and I sense his pleasure, and I want you to feel the same, and I want you to experience the same. That is a testimony. So don't ever underestimate the power of gratitude as a testimony to others. The last thing I want to mention is that gratitude creates a culture of honor. This is an important one. Gratitude in the body of Christ will truly create a culture of honor. What does that mean? Well, let me show you in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, and I'm going to close with this. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I believe that being thankful for the people in our lives today, right now, is important. You say, why is that? I don't know about you. I've experienced this in life myself. When I have been unhappy with my circumstances, I have looked for a door of escape and when I found it, I encountered different people, new people. What guarantee do I have that my unhappiness with the people today will bring me joy with other people tomorrow? None. Zero guarantees. That is an answer oftentimes to, you know, to, to church hopping and and. And, and going from one place to another in search of happiness. Or even with our own friends, when we can't seem to reconcile differences, we sometimes look for a door out, a door of escape. I, I can't deal with this. I'm out. 
Let me go look for somebody else that agrees with me. But in all of this, and one of the, the greatest lessons that I would say that the Lord has taught Lois and I in 2023 is this, has been this in the form of a question. Whatever situation, whatever circumstances, whatever we're going through, God, what are you teaching? Even when I know that I'm completely right, God, what are you teaching me? Even when I know that I am wrong, we should definitely at that point asking, ask the Lord, what are you teaching? What is God teaching us in every circumstance that we face? Every situation that we're going through. It is important that we learn to be thankful right where we are. Now, I'm not saying that if you're not paid enough on your job and you're way more valuable that you should not change department in your job. Or I'm not telling you to abandon friends that are, uh, you know, absolutely critical and insulting you. And, and I'm, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should abandon them. But God, what are you teaching? What are you teaching me in the midst of the difficulties of life? Because we'll never have those moments back unless we learn to deal with them right where we are. That is an answer to conflict resolution, I believe, with all my heart. In every sense of the word. What are you going through that is so difficult that would cause you to run out? What am I facing in my life that would prompt me to say, I can't deal with this situation and these people. I need to find other people to deal with. In those circumstances, learning to be thankful and grateful can create in us a culture of honor that says, I am going to honor the people that are in front of me. Even if they don't necessarily agree with me, I'm going to honor them. I'm going to respect them. And I am going to be thankful in the midst of my circumstances because I see God in this too because he's teaching me something that I would not have otherwise learned if I had not been there have you ever been into any of those circumstances the situations yeah I have repeatedly repeatedly and I have made the mistake many times to just say you know what well, Thank you. See ya. And then I went right around the desert again. 40 days turned into 40 years. I think I've seen that before. Oh, wait. I think I've seen that before. And that's like the second time. Oh, wait. I've seen that. Learn to deal with it. I need to learn to deal with those things so that God will be on in my life through every circumstance that I face. We read that before in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's the will of God. Don't run away from the will of God. Gratitude, friends, 
is positioning. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.